0: Well, it's so good to be with you this morning and this afternoon. It's uh, always lovely to see smiling faces and smiling little faces in all the, the boxes. My name's Liz Gray, and I'm the rector at Incarnation. And it's a great pleasure to be starting out on a new series tonight. And it's a series about power. And we recognize that as we are coming into this particular fall, there are a lot of people and a lot of ways that we are seeing power manifest all around us and so over the fall week by week we're going to be talking a little bit about different aspects of power but where better to start than right at the very beginning at the very beginning before even we know or can remember but the very beginning before anything was there was God And this first dramatic display of creation power that we just heard read is what we're going to focus on this morning. And we're gonna start there, before the beginning. Now kids, when I say creation, I wonder what it is you think about, whether you think about um, things which are growing or things that you see, or... I wonder if during this next few minutes while I'm talking, if you would like to draw or write or create. Why not make something? over the next 15 minutes, something which you can perhaps show us after the service, or something you can show your parents, and give some thought to what it is you like to create. Quite often, those of us who've been in the church for a while might have heard something called the four-chapter gospel, and you get it described as the story, God's story can be described as creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Now, to be honest, most of the time, we seem to find ourselves talking about the middle two in churches. We talk a lot about the fall, and we talk a lot about redemption. But we don't really talk so much about creation. And I think that's something to do with the fact that there are little aspects of the creation which sometimes we get a bit uncomfortable about. Because there's some debate, even amongst Christians, about how creation actually came to be. Did it really take seven days, as we think of days? Did it take seven ages? How did it happen? Was it Big Bang, or evolution, or creation in a week, or a year, or a day, or ages? There are streams of thought, like scientific creationism, or creation science, or intelligent design. So many different ways of trying to understand how the Earth came to be the way that it is. And today I'm going to just say, let's not worry too much about those arguments, those controversies about where we think the Earth came from. Let's take a moment to just revel in the fact that it's unique and special and beautiful, embedded in the solar system, uniquely created amongst all solar systems and galaxies. Sometimes we can get sucked into disagreeing with each other and forget how simply glorious creation is. So today, one of the things that delights me is, in fact, that creation order, as stipulated in Genesis, does seem to fit roughly with how scientists see the earth coming to be, even though they see it coming over long periods of time. And this Genesis account seems to say that it comes quite quickly. But one thing I love is that the Trinity is involved right at the beginning. And another thing I love is that every time creation is mentioned in the Bible, it's done so in the terms of such beautiful... Poetic language. Think of that reading we just heard from Colossians or the Gospel reading from John. Beautiful, beautiful words weaving a story that is deeply confusing and hard to understand apart from the fact that we know that the Spirit hovered over the water right at the beginning. We know from Colossians this um, wonderful teaching that in Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth the Trinity weaving together this creative narrative. And I don't know, I cannot imagine any of us have ever met anybody who isn't affected by beauty. As human beings, there's something in us which loves to pause and look at a sunset or a sunrise, something which captivates our deep hearts. And even if we can't get outside and can't get into nature, just looking at your hands is a is an act of marvelling. And so this evening, now I'm going to talk about different ways we can respond to creation. And I couldn't think of a nice little neat acronym. So in fact, what I'm going to do is we've got, um, instead of A, B, C, D, I'm going backwards, D, C, B, A. And I'm going to talk about delighting. I'm going to talk about creating. The next to a little bit strained, I'm going to talk about being careful and always remembering. The chat box is open throughout the sermon, and I would encourage you, if you're at home on Zoom, that you might like to just respond to points as they made. Think about what's going on, and just pop in something which occurs to you. So to begin with, we're gonna delight, and if you've got a Bible to hand, you might want to open up Genesis 1. I'm not gonna read through it all again, but we are gonna just pause with each day, and we're gonna marvel at the work that God did. So if you turn to page one and read those first couple of verses, and you read about out of the formless, whatever it was, God creating the heavens and the earth, it talks about the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the the waters. And so the first thing to do is to marvel, to marvel at the idea of God drawing something out of chaos. delight at the fact that God is there before time and after time. But God is beyond time and he holds it in his hand. And then to look on the first day in verses 3 and 4 and 5 and God separating out light and dark. One thing I enjoy about this order of creation story is that this is before there was a sun and moon. God has total control over light and dark. And so he brings the two of them apart. He separates them. He separates out as well sky and earth. Forming boundaries, deciding where things are going to be and where, how far they can go. God exerting his power to create order out of disorder. And then when we get to day three, we see God separating out the waters and the earth. Again, forming boundaries. Again, making sure that the two things are different. Earth is earth and sea is sea. And then all vegetation, plants and seeds and fruit trees bearing fruit coming up, the kind of abundance of growth. And every day we get this lovely reminder that God saw it and it was good. And there was evening and there was morning and that was the third day. God has made the earth fruitful, ready for people and creatures to be nourished. And then the fourth day comes and this is where God creates the sun and the moon and the stars and he separates them out and he gives them instructions he gives the sun uh, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night god in control throwing out the stars and the galaxies upon galaxies and all the things not mentioned dawn and dusk glorious sunrises and sunsets planets beyond <clears throat> counting And then God says, let there be creatures in the sea and the sky and all those manatees and squids and little tiny amoebas in the water and in the sky, eagles and hummingbirds and bats. And then God brings forth all the other living creatures and whatever your favorite is. And again, maybe that's something you just want to shove in the chat. Is it a, a cheetah or a warthog? Mine's a warthog, really. Love the way that they run along with their tails up in a little line, kneel down to eat. What fun, what how glorious creation is. And God paying such close attention to every single detail and declaring at every stage how good it is. And then comes the next bit, and this one also is something people puzzle over, when God calls Adam and Eve into being. He creates man in his own image. In verse 27, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And he gives them instructions. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And whether you see this as something which happened with two people in a garden, or whether you see it as the People slowly migrating out of the kind of birthplace of Africa, um, from Ethiopia or wherever, and people coming up, moving the migration out of Africa. Was there a moment when God said, these people are ready for a relationship with me, and he breathed his breath upon them and invited them to worship him, to be in communion with him? But whatever we believe about that, we know that God calls people into their own level of authority. He gives them instructions. He invites them, first of all, to name. He gets them involved in naming the warthogs and naming the stag beetles and naming the cheetahs and the squids and the Pleiades. He gives them an opportunity to tend, to cherish, to nurture. And that takes me on to my second point. We are called to delight in creation, but we're also called to be co-creators. We too are called to make things. You know, when you take a seed and plant it in the earth, it doesn't diminish the seeds anywhere else. More seeds happen. When you paint a work of art or you hum a new song, you're creating, you're bringing more things into being. Creation is not a zero-sum game. This is something we can all be involved in and delight in. It's not transactional, you can make more. And I've been reading this book. Somebody said to me, do you always have to have a book in your sermon? Well, just about. So I'm enjoying this book by Andy Crouch called Playing God, Redeeming the Gift of Power. And Andy puts it so well. And I'm reading from page 104 of his book. He talks about the grand pattern of creation being good, very good, glory. And then when he talks about what happens when God's image-bearers are present in creation, then and only then the world is declared very good. And he goes on to draw out this idea about us being co-creators. Grain is good. It grows by the grace of God laid down over eons of evolution, the accumulation of nutrients in the soil and the cycle of water, from ocean to cloud to ground to river. Grains were growing long before human beings were here, but then human beings arrived and began to cultivate the grain. They harvest and thresh it, separating the nutritious germ from the tough chaff. They grind it and mix it with water, yeast, and a bit of salt, and bake it, and the result is bread. Grain is good, but bread is very good. I might add cakes are really good, and donuts, and so many other things, but... um, but he says this is the essential pattern of all culture at its best. Eggs are good, omelets are very good, trees are good, a beautifully wrought wooden chair is very good, sound is good, music is very good. And he turn, goes on to talk about music, whether the tuven throat singing, a Beethoven symphony, a Bach chorale, a black gospel chorus that shakes you to the core and leaves you both utterly satisfied and hungrier than you have ever been for true life. That is glorious music. The best of culture has this quality of transcendent excellence, the ability to be utterly itself and to speak of something far greater than itself. So good. He goes on to quite a rhapsodic passage, actually, about um, what you make out of grapes, uh, but I won't, I won't linger too long on that um, right now, but uh, you can imagine. So he, we're called to delight, and we're also called to create, but thirdly, our be, we call to be careful. You know, when you see something good, say a kid brings you a picture and and it's their best work, you don't kind of screw it up and throw it in the bin. You put it on the fridge and you enjoy it day by day. And when someone creates, we are invited to tend and to cherish and to respect, not to destroy or to spoil or to desecrate. There are awful things happening in our world at the moment. There are terrible fires raging in California. There are such melting happening in the Arctic and the polar regions. I read an article in the Washington New York Times this week, which talked about what's happening in the polar regions. It talked about the erosion of the um, uh, the erosion of the ice shelf. It talked about the coastlines being undefended, and communities literally falling into the sea. It talked about the permafrost melting and destabilizing the ground. It talked about the fact that as the ice is melting, the sea is, the ocean is dark, and therefore, instead of reflecting light, it absorbs light, yet again exacerbating the way that we see the world heating up. The depletion of resources we see around us is real. The melting polar ice caps are real. Fires in California are real. Sea levels are rising. The fact that we have global warming is indisputable. The controversial question, of course, is whether this is part of a normal cycle of climate cycling or whether it's caused by human activities. The vast majority of scientists are firmly in the fact that this is caused by us, that we are harming the Earth. And therefore, we must. Be careful. We must take action because we want to be co-creators, not destroyers. Every single week we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And we look for the moment when God's kingdom will break forth in all its fullness, right here, right now, on this earth. And we pray with such expectation about that new heaven and the new earth. And the earth will be changed when Christ returns, but we are called to be a part now of looking with anticipation, of moving towards that new heaven and that new earth. And so it's no good if we pray those words and we simply turn around and we destroy. And so I invite you all to think about where you could be careful in the days and weeks ahead. Are there ways you could live a little more simply? Turn down your AC or or your heating, which as we seem to go into a colder season? Can we use less resources? Can we, I don't know, buy less clothes? Can we waste less food? Can we um, not use as many single-use plastics? Right from the beginning of incarnation, we said, we're going to try and do everything we can to avoid single-use plastic because we want to be a community which cherishes the earth that we are in. Do you remember those heady days of Snacklucks when we used to actually meet together and have plates of food? Gosh, it feels like such a long time ago. It'll come again. But then finally, A, always remember, always remember. What are we called to remember? We're called to remember that we are made in the image of God, male and female, every race, every ethnic group, every tribe, every people, we are all made in the image of God. One of the lovely phrases for this is sometimes that we are icons of God. And when we think of an icon, quite often we think of a sort of pretty picture which is on the wall and we look at and we use to help us pray. But would it make a difference if you looked at your co-workers tomorrow and said, gosh, they're an icon of God. What can I see of God reflected in them today? This time when power is being wielded around us. This is a topic we're going to come back to over and over again in the next few weeks. But how we live with civility amongst us. And so for today, I encourage you, always remember those people you're in discussion with also reflect something of God into the world. And so as we finish now, I'm going to remind you of those four things and encourage you in this week ahead to take some time to delight. Perhaps every day, set aside a few minutes where you think, I am simply going to delight. I'm going to put on some lovely music. I'm going to look at some lovely pictures. I'm going to paint a picture. I'm going to do whatever. Actually, painting a picture comes into the next one. The next one is create. So you're going to delight, and then you're going to create. Could you create something? Could you carefully make a loaf of bread? Could you hum a song? Could you do something creative this week? And could you be careful? Could you watch how you are behaving and think about the ways that you are ushering in a new heaven and a new earth? And will you always remember that you and those around you are God's icons? Will you treat those you meet with gentleness, looking for the power we wield to be constructive, not destructive. In this week and weeks ahead, I pray that we will all learn how it is that we engage with God's power and that we will find many ways to look for the flourishing of our community, our world, and even with our neighbours. We're going to take a few moments now to just be quiet and I invite you to think about where it is this week you can apply those four things. Lord, I thank you for your creation. I thank you for the beauty of this narrative in Scripture of your, the ways that you brought things to be. I thank you that you have set us in a place which is so incredibly beautiful. Will you help us as we delight to draw attention to you? Will you help us as we create to draw attention to you? Will you help us as we're careful to keep you in mind And will you help us always to remember that you have made us in your image. Amen.